Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a woman on the beast as we pick up in Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Sitting upon many waters or nations with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. The inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit to the wilderness, and I saw a woman who was sitting on a scarlet-colored beast, the scarlet-colored beast, of course, being the Antichrist. Full of names of blasphemy, the beast itself, having seven heads and ten horns. The description of the beast. Again, we go back to uh, Revelation chapter 12 and 13. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and she was decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. That's God's view of her. Mystery Babylon. Why? Because she brought into the church many of the practices of the old Babylon religion that have been cursed of God. Time does not permit us to go in to the parallels that do exist in the practices that uh, take place in many of the churches today in those practices and those practices of ancient Babylon. Suffice it to say that in ancient Babylon there was the worship of Nimrod, also called Tammuz, and his mother Semiramis, also known as Ashtart. They were the mother and child. He supposedly was born by a virgin She was supposedly a virgin, and he was born by virgin birth. He was worshipped by the people. He was a mighty hunter opposed to God, according to the Scriptures. Called a mighty hunter before the Lord. Actually, the Hebrew is against the Lord. According to the stories... While hunting, he was gored by a boar and died. And his body lay out there for three days, and he resurrected. And thus the people began to celebrate his resurrection by coloring eggs and by the worship of the rabbit, which is, of course, known for its productivity. And they had a great celebration they called Ashtart in which they worshipped his coming to life 
with the colored eggs and all, and it was a celebration year by year known as Ashtart, from which, of course, we get our word Easter. And it is interesting that we have adopted the custom of coloring eggs. He was supposedly born on December 25th. His birthday was celebrated by decorating trees, bringing them into your house and decorating them with silver and gold and different decorations because the tree and the evergreen tree, the symbol of life in the evergreen tree, and thus brought into the homes and, and decorated. Accompanied with a lot of parties, gift-giving, and drunken orgies. Now, of course, we don't have anything in the church that we can liken to that, but uh, <laughs> these things were all of Babylonian origin. The Madonna and child with a halo about them. That kind of art existed a thousand years before Jesus was born as they worshiped Semiramis, the mother, and her virgin-born son, Tammuz. Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. And so God identifies the woman who is sitting upon the beast. And the woman was drunken with the blood of the saints. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered, not with great admiration, but with great wonderment. And the angel said unto me, Why did you thus marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. I'll explain it to you, the Lord said. The beast that you saw was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit or out of the abuso in the Greek and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is, now here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. Or the city of Rome, the city of seven hills. There are seven kings, seven emperors that have reigned over the Roman Empire. Five are fallen or are already dead at the time that John is writing. One is and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he will continue for a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven. So the beast is, according to this, one of the five previous Roman emperors prior to the writing of the book of Revelation by John. At the time that John was writing, he no longer was alive. He was in the abuso. He ascends out of the abuso. 
But the world will wonder at this man who once lived, was dead, and is now alive again. Of the seven of the major Roman emperors, and of course the one that comes closest to fitting the description is none other than Caesar Nero, whose name numerically in Hebrew totals to 666. Caesar Nero was called by the early church the beast. That was the common name because he wrecked so much havoc among the church. Quite apparent that he was possessed by demonic spirits. The things that he did could only be done by a mind perverted by Satan. The horrible atrocities that this man brought against the Christian church could only be done by a mind that was totally deranged by demonic forces. And so the beast that was and is not is, of the, is the eighth, he is of the seven, and he is heading towards perdition, Gehenna. Now the ten horns which you saw are ten kings which have not received a kingdom but they receive power as kings. That is, they are not actual kings as such, but they receive the same kind of a power as a king. For one hour with a beast. And they have one mind. And that one mind is to make war with Christ and to destroy him when he comes to set up his reign upon the earth. That is the one mind of these kings. And so they turn their power and their strength over to the Antichrist. He becomes the leader in the effort to thwart the establishing of God's rule upon the earth. Now, as John said, when he wrote this epistle, he said, the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. The spirit of Antichrist is at work in our world today. There are are already many powerful men who have dedicated themselves to the destroying of God. The humanist in their humanist manifesto and many of our major congressmen and leaders are humanist and have subscribed to the humanist manifesto. Tremendous power to influence our nation have dedicated their talents and their powers to the eradicating of the thought or the consciousness of God from the minds of the people. They're out to destroy God. And so his programs put those who believe in God in a sort of a weird, you know, funny category. There is the endeavor in the programming to make fun of strong beliefs or faiths or convictions. To make a man look like a fool, like a bumbling idiot who may have strong convictions on a particular subject. And the whole idea is to destroy by ridicule. For 
in the humanist manifesto, they are determined to eradicate once and for all the superstitious beliefs in a supreme being or in God by men. They're out to destroy God. Their goal is the destruction of God and the idea and the concept of God, which they say is archaic and belongs back in a past age of ignorance. Now, the purpose in destroying God is to free man so that he can live after his flesh without any kind of remorse or pangs of conscience. Thus, they want to get rid of any kind of a moral base that has its roots in the Bible so that any of the prohibitions of the Bible adultery, fornication, and so forth are so obliterated from your mind that you can do these things without any conscience that would bother you or trouble you because, you see, that consciousness comes from a biblical base and we're trying to destroy God and get rid of any feelings of guilt that man possesses as the result of of his past superstitious beliefs in a supreme being and the Bible as his word to man. That is the avowed goal of the, of the humanists in their manifesto. And you can get the humanist manifesto and you can read point by point how they plan to, to bring to pass the destruction of God. So the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. And many of the powerful leaders have embraced the idea of the destruction of God. And we see that they have been highly successful. In Europe, their job is just about complete. You go to Europe today and you are in a post-Christian era. You find out what the world is going to be like after the rapture has taken place. And you can see the hopelessness in the eyes of the people, the despair. And of course, you see the other things that go along with such a society. You see the degrading of womanhood. As you see these poor girls standing in the windows, beckoning to the men who walk by, displayed like merchandise, standing there like mannequins, except that as the men walk by, they try to entice them on in. And you can walk down the street and window after window see the degraded state of the women brought about by men whose minds are so perverted because of the absence of the consciousness of God that they have again degraded the woman back to the position that she was a 2,000 years ago before Christianity came on the scene and elevated her to a place of beauty and respect and honor. As they take advantage and as you see the nude pictures, as you see the pornographic magazines and all of these things that attract the flesh, as you see people 
wholly given over to their own fleshly desires. You see the drunkenness and the hopelessness, and you realize these men have been successful in their endeavor to destroy God from the minds and the consciousness of the people. They are hard at work in the United States, and they have come a long way here. They have petitioned the courts which have allowed them to publish such filth as we find in the girly-type magazines that are open and available for the children to pick up and to leaf through in the grocery store on the corner. They have been able to rule God out of the classroom in school. They have declared that it is illegal to have the children sing Christmas carols in the public schools. Thank God we have courageous teachers who are Christians, who are the salt of the earth and in the public school system still shine as a glorious light in a dark place. And I thank God for every one of you who are in public education and are putting up with the malaise of the broken society and these children who have come from this chaotic condition and you're putting up with it in order to bring light unto them and you're willing to go ahead and wherever you have opportunity, share the true light of God. Thank God for you Christian teachers. You are the light of the world. Continue to shine until they kick you out. <laughs> and so these ten kings give their power to the beast in order that they might, through their combined efforts, destroy God once again to make war against Jesus as he returns, to stop the establishing of God's law and God's rule upon the earth. They don't want God to rule over them. And they will make war, verse 14, with the Lamb. But the Lamb will overcome them. <laughs> no big battle, no big deal. <laughs> they make war with the Lamb, but he overcomes them. Actually, just with the word that goes forth out of his mouth, they're destroyed. I don't know what those words will be. I imagine it's just, hey, you've had it, man. And he destroys them, for he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. God has called you to be his child. If you have responded to that call of God, he has chosen you to be a part of that eternal kingdom. And as we walk in faithfulness to him, we have the promise that because you have been faithful and have kept my commandments, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation which is going to come upon the earth. He said unto me, The waters that you saw where the whore is sitting are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues 
and the ten horns which you saw upon the beast, these shall hate the whore. These kings that give their power to the Antichrist, they take advantage of the church, but now they turn against this religious system. And they shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. It's interesting, that's God's will against this false religious system. And so they do it, but they only do it as, they, as God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will. It is interesting to me that God uses many times very unrighteous persons to accomplish his will. He can plant his will in the hearts of an evil person. That was the problem that Habakkuk had when God revealed to Habakkuk that he was going to use the Babylonians to punish his people by taking them into captivity. And Habakkuk said, now, Lord, come on, that isn't fair. We're bad, I know that, but hey, they're worse than we are. They're more evil than we. Why would you allow a nation more evil than us to conquer us? God said to Habakkuk, I told you I, you wouldn't understand if I told you what I was doing. So God puts in their heart to do his will. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Revelation on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Revelation 17 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless and keep you in His love through the power of his Holy Spirit as you are enriched in your walk with Jesus Christ day by day as he ministers to you. And may you begin to experience more and more in your own life that power of God's love transforming you and changing you and making you into his image in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Hey, I want to tell you about a biblical counseling ebook by Chuck Smith. It's pretty easy to download and takes only a minute. I can't tell you how grateful I am for something like this. It's a game changer for anyone who needs to counsel or talk with someone on the spot. Like when I'm talking with my friends and a complicated issue comes up, I can do a quick search on my phone and get immediate answers that lead them to God's Word. 
So not only do I get Pastor Chuck's commentary, but I can find out what the Bible says about it. There's seriously so many helpful topics, like dating or self-image, lust, waiting on God, or even what certain religions or cults mean. I could even use this when I have a question myself. To download the Biblical Counseling eBook by Chuck Smith, or to preview a demo, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. To find out more, you can call 1-800-272-9673. 1-800-272-9673.